Welcome back to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rocking good time in about 10 to 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Michael. We're three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. Today, Michael is going to tell us the story behind the song All Along the Watchtowers. So take it away, Michael. Yeah, and it's actually written by Bob Dylan. So we're going to go ahead and start with the Dylan version and, and, and segue into the Jimi Hendrix version. Uh, Watchtower was written by Dylan following his motorcycle accident in the summer of 66 when he was recuperating. Uh, it was also the time in Dylan's life when he was uh, finding religion, uh, the beginning of his Christian phase. Um, the, the song itself, uh, I think true to form with you know, Dylan being in the folk tradition and, and borrowing really as, a, as a, a matter of form, right? I mean, the, the folk tradition is, uh, doesn't look at uh, borrowing from other songs as plagiarism, but actually what music should be about. Um, Dylan took the lyrics and the idea for this song from the Bible, um, from Isaiah 21, uh, verse 5, which, uh, in which God says, uh, you know, go set me a watchman, uh, and then to basically report on what you have seen. And, and the watchman comes back and says he's seen a chariot with a couple of horsemen, and that uh, later on in the verse says that Babylon is fallen. And so the the kind of the the idea for a watch a watchman and a watchtower and the horsemen that we see in Dylan's song and particularly the theme of Babylon has fallen uh, is what uh, Dylan comes to write in uh, in his song All Along the Watchtower. It, really, one of the most interesting things about the song to me is is D Dylan has demonstrated brilliance in simplicity. He takes three verses here. I mean, his version of the song is only about two minutes and 20 seconds long because it's, there's not much to it. It's really three verses. Uh, but in those three verses, he, he tells a story that, that is very powerful. One of the things that he does to, to make it unique is that he takes those verses and he, um, and he tells them out of order. So we start in the first verse, really in the middle of the conversation. I mean, the song starts, there must be some way out of here, said the joker to the thief. Unusual to start a story in the middle of a conversation. It kind of disorients the, the, the reader or the listener. Uh, what uh, we come to find is in this first verse, it's, uh, the joker says to the thief, there's too much confusion, I can't get no relief. Businessmen, they drink my wine, plowmen dig my earth. None of them along the line know what any of it is worth. None of them along the line know what any of it is worth. So the tension that's set up in this first verse is there's some dispute over worth, and we don't really know what uh, the dispute is about. But in the second verse, uh, we come to find that it's really about values. Because in the second verse, uh, it says, No reason to get excited, the thief he kindly spoke. There are many here among us who feel that life is but a joke. But you and I, we've been through that, and this is not our fate, so let us not talk falsely now. The hour is getting late. So it's these two, it's the Joker and the Thief, these archetypal figures talking about a uh, dispute over values. And it's, it's really unique to Dylan to have these archetypal characters, a, a, a Joker and a Thief, certainly not the pillars of society, but they are the ones who are really criticizing society. I think it's a, 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 a kind of a devastating critique on society when you have the thief who is uh, kind of purporting to talk about what's wrong with the society. Uh, in the final verse, and again, this is kind of chronologically out of order, 
uh, in the final verse, it says, All along the watchtower princes kept a view, while all the women came and went barefoot servants too. So we see here that um, on the watchtower, it's the, the, the archetypes of society that are in control, the servants and the princes. And then the verse says, Outside in the distance, a wild cat did growl. Two riders were approaching. The wind began to howl. So here in the very last sentence, we have the two riders, the joker and the thief, who are approaching. So it's in the last sentence of the song that we see the first vision of the joker and the thief who start off the song. And so it's this manipulation of chronological time by taking the middle of the story, putting that first, and then ending with what is really the beginning of the story. Wow. And so in... Through using I think, these literary techniques, Dylan's able to tell uh, you know, a much more powerful story in a, in a short period of time. Uh, Dylan's version of this, uh, again, harking back to Isaiah, is that, which ends with Babylon is fallen, is that Dylan is really talking about the fall of society, uh, the impending uh, change that he was, uh, in, in the late 60s, still very interested in seeing coming about. Um, it's the, the, the wind began to howl is really this uh, foreboding or looking forward to um, uh, a change in society, a change of the watchtower that's represented by the princes uh, at the top of society and the servants at the bottom. Uh, so I, I think this song is really right in line with Dylan's kind of main theme of his song in the, in the early 60s about social change um, and that, that Dylan was so well known for. Um, but by 66, when he writes this song, or 67, uh, you still see it as a central theme in, in what he's, in what he's uh, writing about. Dylan's version is not the version that most people know, and, and that's because Hendrix came out with his version six months after Dylan uh, came out with his. Oh, wow. Uh, and just lit it up. I mean, he yeah. nailed this song. And in fact, what Dylan has said is, after I heard the way Jimmy does it, that's how I do my song. And so uh, Dylan doesn't play all along the watchtower the way it's on the album, John Wesley Harding, which is you know kind of a, a, a folk song, essentially. Uh, he now plays it in concert and has since 67 uh, as a very fast rock tune uh, as, wow. a, as, a, uh, you know, as, a, as respect or a tribute to Jimi Hendrix. Mm. What Jimi was able to do with the song was, was, that was fascinating was to use his guitar um, to bring the, the listener as far as the song's gonna take you, right? So, I mean, the song itself ends with the wind begin to howl, right? The, the song doesn't take you to the change, it takes you to the beginning where the change is to start. And the way that Jimmy was able to use his guitar to evoke that theme was to uh, go increasingly higher up his scales till he got to the very last note of his guitar and just then, then, and then finish the song by just repeatedly needling that one note, and it evokes this this feeling that as he, as he's gone from the from the lower registers to the highest, that he's taken the listener as far as the guitar will take you. Cool. And, and I think that he's basically talking about that very using the guitar to evoke that last line of the song. I think you too, they also covered this song, really picked up on that point because when you too covered it. They actually wrote their own final verse that says something, I, I don't remember it exactly, but something like where Bono says, all I have is a red guitar, three chords and the truth. All I have is a red guitar, the rest is up to you. 
right? Bono's saying the same thing is that I've taken you to this, to the point of change as far as I can, and as far as my music can take you. Now the rest is up to the listener. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's an excellent story. Uh, I, I had no idea that Bob Dylan wrote the song. That's amazing. Yeah. We were listening to the version of Bob Dylan right before, right before we started recording this podcast. And I remarked sort of sarcastically that I'd never been able to understand Bob Dylan what he sang, but very clearly, and these words are great. You know, even if you don't read any meaning into them, they're just poetically, they're beautiful when you hear them. So excellent song. I think I also see sort of an allegory in this to, uh, to Tim, you know, because he takes everything chronologically and mixes them up too, right? So, <laughs> he's got he's got the Beatles stealing Paul McCartney away from Wings. Yeah. <laughs> well, as, as Dylan was able to show us through this song, that a simple story taken out of order is much more interesting. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. I, you know, I have a story about all along the Watchtower that, that doesn't have any deep meaning at all. My first job was working at a pizza restaurant, 13, 14 years old. And I washed dishes on the weekends, and it was a horrible, horrible job in that I was, you know, wet seven hours a night, you know, because you were, I was, I was washing pizza tins by hand, and, and I hated it. Uh, but at the same time, I loved it because it afforded me a lot of freedom. I had my own money at a very early age. I could do things that I wanted to do. Well, there was a guy that worked here at the pizza restaurant that just loved Jimi Hendrix. And invariably on Saturday night, almost to the hour, around 8 o'clock every Saturday night, he would have to go to the bathroom, which was right by the dishwasher. And every Saturday night that somebody would be in the bathroom and he would have to wait and he would stand there and sing all along the watchtower. And I listened to that song for two years every Saturday night at 8 o'clock <laughs> while he was waiting to go in and, and have do his business, I guess. So... You know, there's my there's my rock tale about about all along the watchtower. Oh, is there something in the, the song that has to do with going to the men's room? I don't see it. No, I he just he loved Jimi Hendrix and afforded him an opportunity while he was away from cooking pizza to, to sing Jimi Hendrix. But every I swear to you, every Saturday night at eight o'clock, he was standing by the bathroom door right next to the dishwasher. <laughs> You know that uh, this song has been so heavily covered that there is just an abundance of, of opportunities out there to hear different interpretations. So there's obviously I mentioned you too, and Hendrix is the what uh, most well known. The Grateful Dead performed the song hundreds of times, perhaps. Uh, but it, and I've heard the Grateful Dead perform that song dozens of times. But I think the best cover out there, and I've been listening to, uh, to these for research, is the Dave Matthews Band does this mm. song that is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And that band, I never had the opportunity to see them live, but I can see why they had such a strong following. They're great musicians. Oh, absolutely. And one of the one of the reasons sometimes that covers are almost better than the original is because most of the time when a band is covering another artist's song, it's because they have a lot of respect for that song. And they really try to make an effort to make it their own, yet show respect to the original sources. I, I went to a Howard Jones concert uh, in uh, 1986, and Howard Jones is not necessarily the rockinest guy, but he did a cover of A Day in the Life by the Beatles, which rivaled the original song itself. Very, very well done. It was really the first time I appreciated a cover for what it was. It was a tribute. You know, it was a sign of respect. Was it done true to the original, or was it a reinterpretation of the song? It was done somewhat true to the original. It, it, it was a little different, but, um, you know, 
like Howard Jones or not, he had a great voice, and and he was very serious about about trying to do this song well, and it was very good. Very styling, dude. You know? Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, wish I had that hair. Okay, all right. Well, um, one more rock tail hour under our belt. That was an interesting story. Appreciate Michael's uh, taking the time to research that and give us some background on All Along the Watchtower. We appreciate you, the Rocktail Hour listeners, and we would appreciate any feedback. So please email us at rocktail, or dudes at rocktailhour.com. Also, please join us on Facebook and you can join us on Twitter. And until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on.